Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. downloading another episode of the thundercast follow us on twitter at thundercast underscore pod also on facebook and give the page over there a like head on over to youtube subscribe to the youtube channel because you don't want to miss anything that goes on over there russ we had a really killer homecoming weekend there were a lot of uh, successes on our various fields of play and we're going to cover all of it but i think like the big of course feature is the big homecoming football game we had a great tailgate there were a lot of folks there this is not an indictment at all of herd fans, but 22,000 was reported at the game, and it sure looked like a lot more than that on TV at least. So great job by herd fans for turning out again. Uh, but we've got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it with a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Well, let's start this episode off, right? We've got a lot to cover. There's a lot of great things that happened this week in Herd Athletics. So let's start it off with five things that every Herd fan needs to know this week. We have six things every Herd fan needs to know this week, as always, sponsored by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, I know I'm going to get a word from you here, academics. Marshall has 212 student athletes earn academic honors from the Sun Belt. And I have a lot more stats from that article that they put out breaking that down. But first off, I need a word from you. What is well, it? Well, it, that's, of course, a differentiator. And we love that. I love that. Over 200 of our student athletes. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. You know, and I, we're going to use the cliches, getting it done on the field, getting it done in the classroom. But you know, the cliches exist because they constantly come up and they re remain true, but this is exactly what's happening. I mean, dang, 200, over 200, 212? Um, I'll take it. But give me some more of those stats, man. Three of Marshall's athletic programs, men's basketball, women's golf, and women's track and field were all atop the Sunbelt Conference in Team GPA. Awesome. I've got more. Um Let's see here. Gets down one. Of, it says this is straight from the article. One of the most impressive figures in the Sun Belt's academic release involved Marshall having 16 players across nine sports who earned the 1A FAR Academic Award, which is given to student athletes. Listen to this: who earned their bachelor's degree from September 22 to August 1st, 23 and maintained a 3.8 grade point average or better. Wow. 
<laughs> as somebody who took a lot longer to obtain a bachelor's degree with a much lower GPA, might I add, that's pretty impressive stuff. Uh, yeah, I would, just I would during... say, can we get like a cooler name for this? One A F B C S B C F A R. Well, it's the, it's the one A FAR academic award. It's separated one A and then yeah. FAR, but it's F A R. Yeah. Um, but anyone that earned their bachelor's degree yeah. uh, over that one year span, there were sixteen different people that graduated from Marshall and maintained a three point eight or 3.8 grade point average or better. Yeah. Or so, better. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to think like some of those have to be on the swim and dive team who basically clean swept the 4.0 grade average. If you'll recall from last if, time we if talked they, about if it. They, if they got yeah. a degree. During if they that got it. That's what I'm saying. Some of yeah. them have to be from the swim and dive team, but man, what a, this is all great stuff. And I just never get tired of hearing about that kind of stuff ever, man, ever. Well, I've, I've got more on the break now. Out of the 212, 134 of them were named to the commissioner's list, which honors student athletes who maintain a 3.5 grade point average or better. And another 78 Marshall student athletes were named to the academic honor roll, which recognizes those who maintain a 3.0 to a 3.49 grade point average. So you add those two together, 212 made the commissioner's list, 278. Of the 212, 134 made the commissioner's list, and the other 78 uh, were above a 3.0. So 212 athletes above a 3.0, 134 of them, 3.5 or better. That's unbelievable. That's really good. Unbelievable. Nothing? You got nothing else? I mean, what can I say? It is unbelievable. I I can't explain it more. It's like far better than I was able to do. And I, you know, I don't want the dead air on the, on the podcast, but damn, man. I mean, I I can't wrap my brain about around that. Right. I just can't do that because I didn't have to carry the workload. I didn't succeed academically the way that these student athletes did anyway. So it's just incredibly hard for me to wrap my brain around it. I just can't do it. Think about what we talk about. Every time we talk about the classroom stuff, the workload that you have for the practices and for the games themselves is a lot but think of the weight room all the extracurricular stuff that you had to do you have to worry about your physique and your strength so you've got to to eat properly and and all that and that takes time and everything and they still find time to study go to class uh do the papers do the homework and be a college kid yeah Trying to enjoy your life. Keep your sanity in place for crying out loud. It's it's a lot. And that's why I say I just can't wrap my head around it because I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to, you know, walk that path. I was able to just go to class and do my homework and do my assignments. And the rest of the time was my time just to be a a college kid and have fun and do the stupid college kid stuff that college kids do. So it's very impressive to me, even as a, you know, as a parent now and an adult now, like you get a better understanding of what it means to have to manage your time more efficiently. And you have people pulling you in different directions all the time. But I couldn't imagine having to do that at 18, 19, 20, you know, 21. It just it doesn't register with me. That's why this stuff's impressive. You know, for a fact that I did not. You know, I did yeah. not do that. I, I managed my time and did the things that I wanted to do first and the classroom came second and it showed, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I was not an athlete having to 
balance all that other stuff too so yeah hats yeah. off to them I mean, hell all i had to do was drag into intramurals a couple of times a week and just like be a guy on the team you know so that we could play <laughs> that was the extent of my athletic career in college uh number two tickets for the men's basketball game at the greenbrier versus radford are on sale tickets are 40 dollars for the november the 10th game I think this is such a cool thing, you know, to hit another pocket of the state in uh, a premier venue. You know, the mm -hmm. Greenbrier is is a really, really swank venue to have a this type of event. And I hope that people from that region, like, turn out. Because I still think it's a, a uh, enough of a regional grab that Radford fans would show up, too. But that place should be packed to the gills with herd fans from that area. Now, I'm yeah. not saying you have to travel from Huntington or wherever you live to go. But if yeah. it's convenient, then go. Because, I, I mean, that's a, that's a cool thing. A, a nice live herd basketball game at the Greenbrier. This is in that same vein with the fan experience stuff. And, you mm. know, we're, I know we're going to talk about the things that went on with homecoming. But I tweeted this. Marshall's absolutely killing it from yeah. a fan engagement standpoint and a fan experience standpoint. They said they wanted to do that, and these events that they're turning out are doing that, man. I don't think this is by accident. I, in fact, I know it's not by accident. It, it's a strategic you know, thought process and plan to execute to engage more fans, and it's working. So if, you're, if it's convenient for you to go to the Greenbrier and catch a game, you should absolutely do it. I mean, that's your excuse to go, well, we can't always drive to Huntington. Well, you don't have to. You can drive to White yeah. Sulphur Springs and catch a yeah. game right there and get a look at uh, the 2023-24 herd live and in person. Just such a cool thing, man. Yeah, so uh, just a little housekeeping on this. You do not have to stay at the Greenbrier. You do not have to get a room at the Greenbrier. You do not have to be a guest at the Greenbrier. Uh, I imagine that you do not have to wear a suit and tie. You do not have to wear slacks and a polo. You know, they, I, anyone that has been over the last 10 to 15 years can probably tell you that they have a fairly relaxed uh, dress code, uh, even though they do have a dress code during the day. I've, I've seen a lot of people in there wearing, you know, track suits and, things like that. So uh, dress probably how you would want to for a Marshall game. I can't promise that you would get into every dining facility dressed like that, but just to go into the Greenbrier and go to this game, it's not like you have to wear a suit and tie or have a tux rented or anything like that. Uh, you do have to stay at the Greenbrier if you want to go down into the casino. That is for guests only. Uh, you do not have to pay for a parking pass to be on the grounds or anything. Parking for the event is actually across the street uh, where the train depot is. And speaking of which, there is a killer train ride from Huntington to the Greenbrier. Don't know the schedule. Don't know if it will be that day. I assume it runs every day, but you might want to check into that because they will have a shuttle going from the parking area of the train starting from noon all the way up to game time, taking you across the street to and from. Yeah, that's that's good info, right? Because there might be some fans that show up that go, oh, man, we'll catch the game, and then we'll, and then we'll hit the casino. Well, yeah. you need to be aware of that. And if you're thinking, hey, well, we'll catch the game and maybe catch dinner, probably want to bring a change of clothes, you know, yeah. just so you can cover all your bases. But Or uh, e even lunch. There are some places. Just go on greenbriar.com and familiarize yeah. yourself. Look and see what's going to be open in November. They don't have every single – uh, eating facility, dining facility open, 
uh, just look and see, see what the dress code is, dress accordingly or bring a change of clothes. Uh, but just to walk around the grounds, if you've never been, uh, some of the things like that, get your tickets, show up, park across the street. No big deal. Yeah. Just cover your bases so you can have the best time you can have. All right. Number three, speaking of basketball and games, we have uh, the men's basketball game versus Kentucky and Rupp Arena will be aired on the SEC network. First time that we'll be on that network since 2019, I think. And uh, tickets are extremely limited that Kentucky uh, allots to us. So the ticket office is going to be contacting season ticket holders and, and donors to the basketball uh, tip-off club first going via priority points. So don't know at this point if there will be any tickets available to where anyone can just log on and get them uh, directly from the ticket office because the limited, extremely limited quantity that we're getting may, may be taken up. Yeah, and you have to expect that, right? Sure, that's, yeah. That's, that's the perks of... You know, champ individual championship fund giving. That's the perk of big green membership. That's a perk mm -hmm. of season ticket being a season ticket holder. Yep. You know, we we even don't check all those boxes. We check right. some of those boxes. So there's probably a really small likelihood that any of those tickets will trickle down so that we could even buy some to be able to give away. So yeah. I'm not holding my breath on that. But hey, man, I'm yeah. you know, for those fans that step up and donate in that way, then they mm -hmm. should have the ability to have first come first serve basis on those, you know, before anybody else. So I'm, I'm yeah. not mad at this. And mm -hmm. any really any fan can't be mad at this. If you want to have access to that stuff, then you have to donate accordingly, you know? And, yeah. And let's say somebody has been a season ticket holder in basketball for 25 years in a row, you know, their, their priority points are probably high up there and they'll probably be reached out to first sure. and they should, you know, give them first right of refusal. That doesn't mean that if, they say, well, I'm allotting two tickets to this uh, family. Uh, and then if they don't take them, they say, well, those tickets are gone. You know, they'll just move on to the next people. So yeah. there might be, it's during Thanksgiving week, you know, it's uh, Black Friday. You might have people that really want to go, but can't because of the schedule. They'll be out of the state for the holidays. You know, they'll be doing things with family. Might not be anywhere near Lexington. You know, a lot of things go into it. So we just have to kind of play it by ear and see how it goes to see what tickets are available. And you should also be aware that these are tickets in the Marshall section, the allotted yep. section. It doesn't mean you won't be able to get them on SeatGeek or something like right. that. It doesn't mean you won't be able to call Rupp Arena, you know, or go on the Rupp website and be like, oh, there's still tickets available here. So this is just for setting with Marshall fans in the Marshall yep. section. There's probably going to be opportunity to get them, especially on a third-party site. But anytime we have games like this, you always, first and foremost, want to buy your tickets through the ticket office, herdzone.com, yep. 800 the herd, or walk in to the ticket office and see if you can get them. That's always what we're going to preach. Only after all of those avenues have been exhausted should you be exploring a third-party site. Always, mm -hmm. always, always through the Marshall ticket office first. Women's soccer here for number four is looking to get 2,000 fans into the match against ODU on Thursday and break the attendance record for the women's soccer team. Tickets are $5 individual or $2 uh, as a group. Don't know what that group is. I can't remember if they do the 15 there, if it's a different uh, number, but you can always call the ticket office if you have a group wanting to go and see what they'll do. 
Yeah. And this is uh coach Swan's having a birthday. I saw that. And that's yep. what he wants for his birthday from herd fans, right? Show up to this game. And I've tweeted this many, many times uh, from the first time we saw this push for 2k, we've got tickets that we will give away. So mm -hmm. we just need 1998 other people to show up because we're going to do our best to put those two fans into a seat there at the vet. This is just a great thing, man. The, 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 the uh, women's soccer team got back on the winning track this week, and they deserve to have a crowd at home that is just overwhelming. The men did it when we played UCF. We set an attendance record, and let me tell mm -hmm. you, it was an electric atmosphere. Doing the same thing for our women's team, they deserve it. And I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you, well, we, we should do it every week, but I'm not going to be like, it should be 2K all the time. I get it. I get it. Mm -hmm. But doing it once for them, that's not a big thing to ask. Just do it, right? It's right across town. It's easy to get to. The games are relatively short. This should be what you do this Thursday. If you are mm -hmm. available, if your evening is open, you should allot two to three hours to do this for sure. And and I understand, too. I've got three kids at home and various events that they do in the evenings and things like that. I am going to try my best to take all five of the Living Good household, you know, take the three kids and everything uh, my oldest has uh, something that she gets out of at 5.30. So we would have to basically change her clothes and go straight over there. And, uh, you know, you got to navigate dinner around that. <laughs> so it'll be tough, but we're going to try to do it and do our part. Uh, yeah. And I, I know a lot of people with small children that still go over there. And that's just what their children like to do when they go over there on Thursdays and Sundays and uh, you know, any other days that they might be playing. I know, I know several there and you can see them on the camera too, when the, the crowd fans, so it's a great time for the kids, man. And soccer is big around here. Huge. And, uh, I, you can't imagine as an athlete, what not only a packed house, but that is like, I think we're at 1450, almost 1500, uh, on the, seating capacity so i mean that would be standing room only packed crowd really packed in there so that's yeah. got to play uh for that team get get the energy going into the team and stuff yeah i hope that this is a thing to where all the local high schools middle schools you know they send their teams type mm -hmm. of a thing in lieu of practice that night. Maybe we're going to this push, you know, for 2K, the youth teams. This is just a great opportunity to get out and, and make the vet something really great for this women's team. They've had a really good season. They hit a skid. I told you we experienced some injuries there that mm -hmm. I noticed, and they were able to get it right, you know, uh, down in Georgia. So let's keep it rolling, man. You know, let's just let's do this for them. Let's just do it for them. You know, we don't need a reason. It's, it's a herd team. They're asking for 2K. Let's just do it. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, tickets, again, $5. Uh, I would try, since there are a bunch of people going to want to help break this, I would try to get them now. Yo, if yeah. you're wanting if you're wanting a seat, if you don't mind to go for the standing room only, you can wait around. But as of right now, you should probably call early. It's Monday games on Thursday. Well, you're going to want to not only try to get your tickets early, but you're probably going to want to get to that game early because even our tickets are just general admission. They're not excited. They're not assigned to a seat like our, you know, we went all in with men's season tickets. Those have yeah. assigned seats. Yeah. Our women's tickets that came along with that 
are just general admission. So they get you into the game. So if you're going to yeah. want to go and this is what you're going to do, you better plan on getting there early, especially if you have a group and you're going to need basically like a bleacher row because seating is going to run out fast since there's no designated seats for each ticket. Just something to be aware of. Yeah. All right. Number five here. Speaking of women's soccer, the assistant coach, Chloe Roberts, was inducted into the University of North Alabama Athletic Hall of Fame. I think that's really cool. You know, Very it, cool. It was their, I guess, homecoming weekend down there, too. Mm -hmm. I saw pictures of her that got posted. I think she was in the homecoming parade, and she was honored. How cool is that, man? Because that's, you know, if, if we hadn't started following all of our sports like we do, I probably wouldn't have known this. Right. And, and I just think that's something that shouldn't fly under the radar. You know, mm -hmm. that that speaks to the level of not just athlete, but the level of coaches that were attracting to Marshall and, and Hall of Fame athletes from their alma maters. That's a big deal. We celebrate our guys when they get inducted to the Herd Hall of Fame. And we should do the same thing for our coaches that get inducted to their alma mater's Hall of Fame. That's a huge honor. I don't care. I'm, a, I'm not in any Hall of Fames. You know what I mean? None. I'm not in any. And I think that's a huge deal. So I would be um, I would be quick to congratulate her. Go to Twitter. Go to whatever social media outlet you follow the most and send a congratulatory message to the women's soccer page or account or whatever because that's just super cool. It should be celebrated. Number six in our final one, Logan Osborne was named a Campbell Trophy semifinalist. We had mentioned earlier that he was on the, the list and everything, and this is a record number of semifinalists this year. Yeah, that just tells me that there are a lot of kids in the country that are doing a lot of the right stuff. Yep. You know, uh, th this, is, this is a really heartwarming, like, type of honor. You know, and, and I tweeted when I saw that that – you know, they don't make them like uh, like Logan a lot. They should make more guys like him, more gals like him, you know, because it tells you what, what's important to him. It's not just about football. It's a lot bigger. And, and I think it's more special because he's a local kid mm -hmm. and people rally around that. They just do. It makes them feel good that the, our local athletes – once they choose to stay here and play for the herd, that's special enough. But then to go on to be that type of guy who gets recognized in ways like this, it really resonates with the fan base. And it, it we say this a lot, it, that's how you build a fan base, but it is. That's how you build a fan base. You win on the field and you win off the field and you make headlines for things like this. I am really proud of Logan for what he's doing on the field, but I'm really proud of him more so for what he's doing off the field. He's just a really, really good role model for our youth in the area, man, especially those young football players and the Barbersville, Ona Milton area. That, that, that means something, man. I mean, he's a big kid. You know, he's big. Like, so he's just an impressive yeah. person to walk up to. So that we, we mentioned this before, um, you know, when, when, with uh, I think it was uh, the women's soccer team going around to all of the uh, elementary mm -hmm. schools. Yep. It's that same kind of thing. You have an interaction with a guy like that who is a mountain of a man, and he's just he's a superhero. What, what you want to be like as a little kid, and then he's got this resume that's backing it up like, yep, I'm not just a good football player, guys. I am, I am yeah. somebody you can look up to. I love yeah. him. I love him for that. 
Yeah. So let's recap for people that might not be familiar with this or don't remember when we talked about it before, but this is commonly nicknamed the academic Heisman. Mm -hmm. And uh, this uh, takes a 3.65 or above that you have to maintain. There are 201 semifinalists that broke the mark. The high water mark previously was in 2000 with 199. Uh, And let's see here. Uh, oh yeah. Also classroom, but doing things in the community, you know, we didn't specifically mention that, but it's the leadership that you do, uh, with your team, but also outside of doing community service, giving back things like that. So, um, very prestigious to be listed as a semifinalist in this and can't wait to see, you know, if he makes the finalist award. Yeah, this is really the trifecta, right? It's on the field. It's in the classroom and it's in the community. And that's Mm -hmm. the stuff that we preach that we love seeing from our athletes. And Logan's just exemplifying the hell out of it right now. And he's being recognized on a national stage, man. You just can't get enough of it. You can't get enough of it. Well, that wraps up our six things this week of six things every Herd fan needs to know this week and always brought to you by Ignite Link. Man, that was a really good six things. Uh, I I love not knowing what we're going to talk about and uh, see what makes the cut, so to speak. And it gets a little busy sometimes when there's so much good coming out and it can be like 85 things that every, every herd fan needs to know, but I love it. I love not knowing this going in. This is, this makes for really um, fun conversation for me, but the featured story of the week is a homecoming week of events that went down and let's, I'm sure we'll talk about, are we going to talk about some of these in Around the Herd? Because I don't want to talk about them now if they're in Around the Herd. Uh, I'm going to talk about Hoops in Huntington and the Home Run Derby. Okay. In around, in so that's that's like two of the massive things. Of, of course, yep. we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about a homecoming parade, but it was just an event that was there that people could take part in. We're not going to mm-hmm. talk about the car smash at great length. I'm glad that that came back. It's just a cool event to have back. I forgot to tweet out a photo or give it to you to tweet out, but uh, I got a photo. It went through the parade. Uh, they had it on a rollback and went through, and they smashed the hell out of it. <laughs> always good to see, you know. Yeah. It's just a nice stress reliever, man. That's yeah, a- it, it wasn't like it barely had, you know, some dents and then a shattered windshield or a spider webbed windshield. Nah, they they beat the real hell they right out of it. Beat the mortal hell right out of this yeah. vehicle. But no, it was a great homecoming. There were a lot of events that I saw around town, the Alumni Association, and yeah. uh, you know the, the, the Stampede had some stuff going on. Yeah. There was a lot going on. You know, you mentioned the Herd Brothers had their get-together. Yeah. It was Alumni Weekend for softball and baseball, and just a lot of, of really great reunion-type things to bring people back to Huntington and kind of light the flame a little bit for, for Marshall Athletics and make you remember a little bit more why you love it so much, you know? Let let me tell you about baseball. They had, I mentioned, they were having their reunion on the infield, on the Mm -hmm. turf. And it started out with herd alumni baseball there, but from two to, or from noon to two, they had uh, fans were able to go over and get a look at it and everything. And they ended up them on the turf in the infield as well. So they estimated uh, several thousand or several hundred up to a thousand. Uh, fans and uh, alums were there at any given time on the field. Yeah. So uh, big for that. The, of course, the 
heard softball alums uh, had a little reunion as well, and they ended up coming to our tailgate. Like I said on Twitter, it, you never know who's going to come to a Thundercast tailgate. You never know, man. The sea lot is the place to be, at least at some point on game day. Because, yeah. dude, you could roll up in there, and, and there's some of your favorite players from whatever sport. You yeah. know, it, it's it, – I love it. I You know, it it pains me that I can't be there at a lot of these things, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's great to see that stuff. Even the pictures you're tweeting – you know, uh, I saw the picture you tweeted of, of Coach Ali, you know, where yep. dad was there, which is cool. I would have loved to have been able to speak to him for a minute and, and introduce yep. myself and say hi. Such, such a great dude, man, to talk to him and everything. And uh, you can just, I, and I told him as much, you can see how his son carries himself. And that's just a reflection of his mm -hmm. upbringing and everything. And you get the same exact thing from Pops, you know, as uh, how uh respectful and and genuine as a person he is and everything and uh, it was just it was awesome to meet him yeah i would have i would have loved to have been there as well and then i saw of course that uh sydney came by and yep. you guys snapped the photo and then later as she tweeted out her recap of the weekend you know a, a, a quartet of photos that one was one of the four, you know, yeah. so she had mentioned that it was great to be back in Huntington and, and be around her people again. And, um, I can appreciate that, you know, cause it's very therapeutic for me too, when I'm able to be there. So it was, a, it looked like a great weekend all around. And, you know, I got, before we get into the recap, I know folks want to just talk about the damn game, but, um, I've got to, I've got to say this because, you know, we've been thinking about it for a long time, Jennifer and I, my wife. And, um, you know, we've grown, this show has grown, and our footprint on Herd Athletics has grown, you know, just organically. You know, people like what we're doing, and they want to see more of it, and, and the appreciation from so many of our coaches, coaches and admins and players has just kind of grown as we continue to do what we do. And I have to miss so many things because I'm eight, 180 miles away from Huntington. You know, I am. And um, my wife and I have been talking. We're, um, we're just kind of about ready for another change in our lives, you know, geographically. And I'm trying to uh, get back closer to Huntington for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm missing all of these events and, and I want to be able to go to more of them. But also, uh, I've mentioned before that my oldest is in the Army and he's stationed just outside of Nashville and, um, he's going to have, he, he's going to have a, we just found out the other day, by the way, Russ, a grandson, by the way. Congratulations. So, thank you. We're really excited about that. We knew he was going to have a child, but we just found out that it's going to be a boy. Um, so that's really pushed us to want to be closer to him. Right. And, um, I say that to say this, I've put the full court press on looking for a new career. Um, and we've targeted somewhere in that Louisville metro area, kind of down I-65 between, uh, you know, Louisville and Nashville. We like to stay in Kentucky because Louisville's three hours from Huntington. It'd be three hours to him, you know, so we'd like to be in that area. So if anybody's listening, if anybody's watching, um, and you, uh, you know, might have an opportunity that I would be interested in, uh, please, you know, DM us on Twitter, uh, get at Russ on Facebook, and he'll he'll get us linked up. You can email us at thundercast.pod at gmail.com because I'd love to talk to you about it. 
I've been with my current company for 15 years. So this is not an on the whim decision, you know, but I can't be 900 miles away from the herd and my growing herd. It just can't happen, yeah. you know? So, um, we've really committed to making these changes and looking for new opportunities. And if anybody's like, Hey, yeah, uh, we actually do need someone who's knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> then get me, give me a ring, give me a, give me a shout and let's talk about it. But, um, just a great homecoming weekend. I really wish that I could have been there to see a lot of it. Um, I know you had a great time at the tailgate. Talk to me really just real quick about yeah. that before we get in. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. I got to talk about the tailgate before we talk about the, the game recap so it doesn't get away from us. But uh, had another great turnout. It was a uh, a show up later kind of, of thing, you know, 3.30 kick, and you had all the sports events for youth that people had to get to and then show up. One of our friends didn't make it until after 2.30 because they had to bust their butts to get down from – uh, a game in uh, the Valley area, Nitro, Polka, that area uh, with with their son, you know. So it, it's just, uh, it was a little bit later of a start. But I was out there, took a Blackstone grill over and uh, started making cheese quesadillas and bean and cheese quesadillas and then had all the different sides and toppings for it. And uh, Karen Legrand, huge friend of the Thundercast, might as well make her a part of the Thundercats. <laughs> De- definitely on the on the tailgating side, you know, she's there every week helping and doing everything. She made some killer uh, sides and desserts to, to fit the theme. And uh, we made quesadillas fresh. You know, if somebody wanted different things in them, you know, just threw them right on the grill at that point there. So uh, all of that and all the drinks made possible by landscaping by Hillcrest two weeks in a row they've been our sponsor we still have to uh put out the photos and put it on social media and tag them and everything but uh we love being able to do free things for our fans the Mm -hmm. show is always free all these other things that we do is free uh and we want people to show up and have fun at our tailgates and we don't want anybody to chip in or what can i bring or whatever no, we want it to be free. And thanks to our sponsors, we are able to do that. Yep. And uh, we had a killer, we've now had three killer tailgates all by our sponsors making that possible. And uh, Landscaping by Hillcrest had the, the first two. Uh, it, I mean, the last two. So cannot thank them enough. If you enjoy showing up and having free food, or if uh, you don't get to come and tailgate, but you still think that that's pretty cool, you can thank them by going to their website, landscapingbyhillcrest.com. You can go to find them on Facebook and Instagram. They are very active on there. You will be blown away by the hardscapes and stuff. We're not talking about someone that just comes around and you know prunes the hedges around your porch. These are like putting in swimming pools, pergolas, outdoor kitchens, hardscapes. Uh, They do all that kind of work and they do it at probably the highest quality that you'll see around here. Yeah. Yeah. We can't thank those guys, like you said, enough for getting behind us this season uh, in, in a, you know, they didn't sponsor anything last year. So they've come on this year and have now, you know, done the last two games and, You know, they do – I said this on the last time when we were talking about them. They do not just landscaping work. It's aesthetically, like, architectural work. Yes. You know, it's it's 
it beautifies your space. So if you're in that need and you're thinking, man, I don't want to sift through bid after bid and you don't know who you can trust. And, you know, this is a game that you can get into to where you can hire the wrong person and spend a lot of money and you're left with not a great product. I feel comfortable saying that you won't have that experience with uh, landscaping by Hillcrest. They've just got a proven track record of quality, beautiful work. So if you're in that need right now if that's a need of yours you're wanting to transform something in your yard i think they should be your first call not just because they sponsor our tailgates but because their work speaks for itself i mean it really does so thanks to them again for you know putting on this tailgate and allowing us to keep things free for fans yeah my project is still in the works but the patio portion is done and and you got to sit on that and watch a game mm-hmm. uh re rewatch and everything when you were in so you've seen the precision that they did i mean uh every little i went out there and watched when i could you know uh when when i was there and they were there in the evenings when i got home and i'm going out and looking they have put down i mean every single block had to be level square everything they they took such uh such amazing care to make sure that it was sloped in just i mean as level as possible but still sloped enough for the water to run away it just you're not going to find what they did anywhere else and everyone in the neighborhood keeps coming by and say how jealous they are of the patio and ask where it was and i told them and they're like i've just not seen this level of work on a patio anywhere else before Yeah. And they, they do this day in, day out everywhere. Uh, last thing I want to say about them is they started in 1984. So next year, here in just a few short months, they're going to be 40 years old that they've been doing this. So this is not something that, well, this is a new company. Let's see if they stick around or not. They've been around a long time. They've been doing this for decades, and they have been at the top of the game every year. So. Yeah, you, you don't stay in business 40 years by accident. That's just the short and sweet of it. But, hey, man, we've got a dang going actual football game to talk about. So let's talk about it. It was Herd Homecoming. We welcomed Old Dominion into town in a game that was, I don't know, at least going into it, you know, it seemed like it would be an easier path to victory than it was for the Herd. You know, both of us thought that it wasn't going to be a walk in the park, so to speak. Right. But I don't think either of us saw this game playing out the way this game played out. I don't, I don't think anyone saw a shootout, no. and I don't think anyone saw a high-scoring shootout, maybe a low-scoring shootout uh, with longer drives and everything, and then you know defensive battles on both sides. But uh, we didn't get that. We got 76 points. <laughs> 76 points, no obliterating the over in the first half, I bet. So it, it doesn't matter. 41 to 35, the herd gets the victory. They're now 4-0 on the season, 1-0 in the Sunbelt Conference. One of just a handful of teams in the country left undefeated, and only one of two left in the Sunbelt Conference left undefeated, James Madison being the other. So once again, the herd uh, and the uh, Dukes are kind of on a collision course if everything keeps going the way it's going for a Thursday night affair here on October 19th. Let's not put the cart in front of the horse. Just saying, we're locking horns in a couple of weeks. Uh, the herd is now eight and one all time against Old Dominion, but man, those games have all been weird. There's been very few that have just been flat out controlled by the herd. You know, the Monarchs were able to get us in that 
very dismal season of 2016. But after that, specifically over the last few years, they've been just oddball games. You know, nobody could really get a grip on it on either side of the ball, and you just went punch for punch. You know, last year it was that 12 to nothing four field goal shutout up in Norfolk, and this year was what this year was. The indicators, Russ, if you looked at this and didn't know what you were watching, if you had no clue what the score was of this game, and you just looked at our main indicators, you would probably think this was a 41-7 to game. Uh, total yards were pretty even, but outside of that, it was kind of wild, right? Uh, 464 to 434, edge for the herd. Time of possession, dig this. 41 minutes, 21 seconds for the herd, 18 minutes, 39 seconds for the Monarchs. You stop right there and you think, holy crap, one team dominated this time of possession. They had to have won big. But it was quick one-play drives that kept the Monarchs in it and gave the herd the big scare. First downs dominated by Marshall, 30-11. to 11 Because, again, one-play scoring drives were the theme for the Monarchs. Third downs were dismal for both teams. Three of 13 for the Monarchs, four of 13 for the Herd, but still the Herd gets the edge. Turnovers were a push. This was pretty ugly. Three for each team. Woof. That cannot continue to happen for Marshall. Russ, we were down 21 to 3, 20 minutes into this game. Yep. And claw back to take a 20 to 17, um, make it a 20 to 17 game at the half. Then Marshall comes out in the second half and outscores the Monarchs 24-14 to to secure this game. Wow. Um, I don't think that this was the thing, you know, we mentioned nobody saw it coming this way. But 21-3, to 20 minutes into the game, you were at the stadium. What were you thinking at that point before Marshall put together a couple of scoring jobs? I was shocked, you know, uh, you, you expected our defense and our run defense in particular to corral what was going on and um, just totally expected a lower scoring, uh, like we mentioned, did not work out. Now, I will say that I did not give up hope when we were at 21, thir- 21 to 3. I thought, okay, well, they got it all out of their system. Now we're going to do what we've been doing and we're going to come back. And we did. Um, heard some fan behind me, and we're going to get into these grades a lot later. <laughs> but I heard some fan behind me when it was 21 to 3, almost emphatically and happy in his voice said, ball game. Yeah. When they scored to make it 21 to 3. And, uh, you know, it's almost like, this justifies everything that I've been saying about this team, you know, or, and you and I talk about it all the time. I don't get it. If you're that unhappy, man, just follow somebody else. Follow, follow Ohio state. That's going to win uh, almost every game every year because of their schedule. Follow Alabama, follow all those people like that and quit coming to the herd games just to want to see them lose you know i want every fan to be there and we've always said every fan has their right to say whatever but don't shout out almost in a happy tone ball game when it's 21 to 3 just to allow you to be at the water cooler and say see i told you mm-hmm. you know uh i was there cheering on the team and what happened immediately when it was 21 to three was uh, Jaden Harrison took a uh, 43 yard kickoff back, got us to midfield and we marched right down there and scored. 
the electricity with that kickoff came back immediately in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's all it takes. And the game shifted right then and there. Um, but I do want to highlight, I don't know if you know this, unless you saw what uh, Cotton put out, but uh, that 21 to 3, that 18 point deficit, that just happens to be the fourth largest deficit that we've ever came back from and scored a victory. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure the fans are going to know at least two of these games, but a lot of fans might know all three. Number one, of course, we were down 30 to ECU in the GMAC Bowl in 2001. Came back and won that. It was 38-8. to eight. Never forget that. Western Carolina in 1988. I did not remember this game. I had seen the score before, but I didn't realize that we were that big of a deficit. We were down 28 points. Came back to win that one, 52-45. to 45. And the 1999 MAC Championship versus Western Michigan, of course, we were down 23 points, and we came back to win that one uh, in an all-time classic. Two all-time classic games, and I'm sure if video was on uh, that 1988 game, that would be a classic that we could watch too. Um, 21-3, this team came back and won it. So ball game, yes, it was, but it was for the herd. Yeah, and I was watching at home, you know, and I had the luxury, I told you this in the post-game spaces, I had the luxury of seeing different angles of of things, so things were sticking out to me a little bit more, but I also had the luxury of following the Twitter timeline, and it was Mm -hmm. a lot of the same stuff, a lot of the same, you know, this game's over, this ain't it, this team ain't got it, it's over, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, I don't respond to that because I've been in games like this before, not necessarily – you know, this big of a scoring deficit. But you just don't give up because we've seen the herd come back before. We've mm-hmm. seen the herd, you know, we've seen them claw back and lose and we've seen them claw back and win. So yeah. I never just give up. Now, if this was 21 to three halfway through the third quarter and we hadn't done anything, maybe you get the worry in a little bit. But it was early in the second quarter, you know, and it was this game started out just like Virginia Tech, a long busted coverage run for the quarterback that went for a touchdown, followed by a forced interception of Cam Fancher. You're like, damn it. You know, two games in a row, damn it. They capitalize on that. Two more times they capitalize with touchdowns. You know, Marshall gets on the board with a field goal, and then it was like, all right, we're not out of this. I still didn't feel like we're out of it because it's Mm -hmm. like we're not continually not being able to move the ball. It was a turnover, right? It was whatever. It was another long run up the gut that we just – can't seem to stop in this game. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But you go down and you get the touchdown. You're like, all right, 21-10, back in it. Next possession, bam, 21-17, right back in this bad boy. And you're going to halftime feeling pretty good because you were able to flip the script and go in 21-17. You go in 21-3, you're probably worrying. You go in Mm -hmm. 21-17, you're not really worrying because you're getting the ball coming out. And the herd goes on a 24-point second half run to overtake the Monarchs. And once they got the lead back, they did not relinquish it. Despite getting continually punched with big plays, big Monarch touchdowns, this team might be winning ugly, but they keep taking these different type of shots from teams and coming out on top. So ever the optimist that I try to be, I see those things. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to look and go, God, this team just ain't got it. I look at it and I say, damn, Old Dominion strung together four scoring drives of 65-plus yards 
and we were still able to win this game. We were down 21 to 3. We could not stop that zone read up the middle run. It kept working to the tune of 300 plus rushing yards. If that happens to you most of the time, you're going to get beat. And yep. yet this team found a way to win by just playing their game, doing what was working. And I want to put one other thing. One other thing. Those four games, those three games that you mentioned, one a comeback by Byron Leftwich. Want to come back by Chad Pennington. For all of the Cam Fancher comparisons that he's not Chad, he's not Byron, he just led an 18-point comeback victory, which is the fourth largest all time. So now when you talk about those games, you're going to say Chad, Byron, and Cam. Right? Fairly, certain that, fairly certain that other game was Tony Peterson, too, yeah. it being if, 1988. So those if, are three that are always mentioned. If he didn't solidify to you, not you, but fans, that he's mm -hmm. the quarterback of this team, you don't want to see it. Yep. There were a lot of fans 20 minutes into that game after that first interception, after that bad fumble again on an exchange to Ali, after the worst fumble on the behind-the-line pass in which Cam hustled and chased down and made the tackle, by the way, yep. which yep. led to yep. the pick yep. six by Elijah Austin, not lost on this guy. Not lost he, on me either. Bad mistakes, yeah, he's got them, and he's having them, and he continues to have them, but he's the quarterback of this team. Nobody else came in and relieved him. There's no, well, the defense bailed Cam out this week. That didn't happen. There was no, he no bailed them well, out. That's right. There's no Rasheen bailed him out this week. That didn't happen. Rasheen got two short touchdowns. Cam Fancher moved the ball down the field with his own legs and through the air. Guys, give the kid his due. He had a career day. He brought the herd back from 18. They're undefeated, and he's 10-1 and as a starter. What the hell else more could you ask for right now? So, I want to touch on a couple of things there um, about Cam. He had a career-high 380 total yards. He had a career-high of 29 completions. He was 28-32 to 32 earlier this year in the Albany game, if I'm getting that. I think that's around what he was at. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about two uh, different games there where you're 28-32 to 32 and 29-35 mm -hmm. and – putting up 264 and 278, I think it was. Not to mention there were two that you could kind of say were drops in this one. Uh, one to Conley. Uh, it looked like the uh, defensive back just made a really good uh, play to hit, get his hand in there right at the time that the ball arrived. But that was going to be for a first down and going to extend a drive. He had another on a quick slant to Harrison that hit him right in the hands. And uh, so you're talking about Two of the six incompletions were um, right in the hands of the receivers, mm -hmm. you know, and we'll talk about the mistakes in a minute, but he outplayed that other quarterback by leaps and bounds and everything, but everybody wanted to talk about, oh, you know, look at this 64-yard or 66-yard run by their quarterback. Why, why don't we do that? Why don't our quarterback do that? You know, in the stands. <laughs> don't you think you know, if the if the play opened up that Cam's not gonna make that run too? He could, <laughs> you know, but but that's what I'm saying. You know, it was the know. same thing against Albany where he yeah. outplayed that that quarterback and, and people in the stands were why can't I that's the quarterback we need, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, guys, I don't know. Is there something that like some kind of Kool-Aid that people are drinking that's blinding people about this. I mean, they see what they want to see. They see, see what they want to see. And I also want to talk about perception versus reality because um, 
I had made that a Twitter post about Cam in uh, in the ECU game and how he was passing an Albany game and how he was passing. And it does, if you are at the game or watching live, I didn't get to watch it on TV live, but as always, I went back and did a rewatch. I was 100% wrong about a couple of things that I mentioned on our post game because that was my perception watching it there. And when mm-hmm. I got to go back and watch the rewatch and when I got to go talk to the Monarchists, shout out to those guys that do a great job with their podcast over there for ODU. I reached out to them with a couple of questions. Uh, I was convinced that that 66-yard touchdown, that there was a quick snap, no count. He didn't. He did the clap just like he did. He got it, ran right up the gut. It was just a missed assignment was all mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was I was touting that they came out with this trick play. It wasn't. It wasn't a trick play. But that was my perception versus when I actually got to rewatch it and see the reality. So I urge fans to go back with an open mind and rewatch this game, and you tell me how if that was – Cole Pennington or Chase Harrison or TJ McMahon out there throwing 29 for 35 with a, a interception that he threw that was too late for a wide open receiver. It was too late and underthrown. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he had a couple of fumbles, but he went 29 for 35 with two touchdowns, 278 yards, and he ran for 102 yards and kept moving the chains and And after one of the fumbles, he ran down the guy to save the touchdown. And on like two plays later, we got an 85-yard interception return. I bet Twitter would be blowing up in praise over those people. So Mm -hmm. please stop with the cam hate. Please stop with the herd hate and hoping that you get to justify your bad takes because we're finally going to lose a game. Yeah. And just get behind this team, man. Folks have dug in. They they yeah. they're just they they can't back off now, and that's fine. You know, you want to dig in, that's fine. Dig in. It, it the herd just keeps winning, right? And and could the herd go down to Raleigh and lose a game this week? Yeah, they could. Yeah. We that could lose change, any game. Every single game that we play. A damn thing. Okay, it doesn't yeah. change a damn thing. The kid has ten wins. Yeah, look, I'm not going to gloss over it. Terrible interception, yeah. two terrible fumbles. That's got to go away. In real time, I tweeted, we cannot keep giving these easy turnovers to the opposition. And we can't. But, right. that, but that didn't follow up with a next line saying, time to change the quarterback. Because we don't. You know, we're winning. He's 10-1 and one for crying out loud. What do you want? I don't get the, well, one of these weeks is going to bite us. Well, so what? It hasn't yet. You know, any given week, anything can bite you. Right, the defense mm-hmm. got bit this week with four chunk touchdown plays of sixty-five plus. But nobody, nobody in the past two days is going. Our defense is terrible. We've got to get this guy out. We've got to put that guy. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's yeah. doing that. Right, because they can recognize. Okay, hey, that was, that just happened one time out of the blue. It was one Ricky back Ronnie. Day. Ricky Ronnie noticed something, and it worked. And I mentioned this in the post game spaces. You're gonna try it again. And it worked again where you're like, well, hell, we're going to do it a third time. And it worked. And you're like, well, psh, let's do it again. Any coach is going to do that. Huff would do that, right? Yeah. Trickett would do that. So credit to them for exploiting a weakness in that game. Is it a weakness in every game? Well, so far the long QB run has been a weakness in every game. But we haven't. We are not giving up four 65-plus yard one-play touchdown drives every week. It's not and happening. I'll, 
I'll tell you too, you go back and, and what this wasn't some like John Elway quarterback uh, glitch play that works every single time, you know, for a touchdown. They ran uh, that quarterback draw up the middle several different times and it got snuffed out really badly. Mm-hmm. And they ran the same uh, run right up the middle a few times and we shut it down, sometimes for losses in the backfield. So it wasn't like they ran this same play five times and or four times and resulted in four touchdowns or three times and resulted in three touchdowns. It did work three times and it did work with the quarterback run for that fourth time. But this was something that they had tried to do all game long. It's law averages. Sometimes stuff like that's going to happen. Now, going back, I'm watching the uh, replay and I'm no coach. I'm definitely not a defensive coordinator. But I could see how, you know, it was a, a guy going around the end instead of taking the the middle. You know, he had a different read or that was the play that was called on defense, whatever it was, and they missed an arm tackle. You know, and then at that point, he's already behind the linebackers because they were going in. All it takes is one person being out of the play or one person not slowing that runner down enough with their tackle to where the other guys can't grab him before he gets – into that second level. So I don't think that it was something, uh, which again, I'll get into when we're talking about the fans. I don't think that it was something that we just had no clue what was going on. You know, a missed tackle happens every now and then. It just happened to happen several times in this game. And it looks bad when it, it, it does. It, it, it opti- the optics are like, holy yeah. shit, here we yeah. go again. It just looks bad, right? And it it's does. demoralizing. It does. So I, I get it. Let me run down what our guys did. Okay. Cam Fancher, you mentioned 29 of 35, 278 through the air, two touchdowns and a bad interception. Also, two fumbles lost. But back on the trend, no sacks by Old Dominion again this yep. week. 15 carries for 102 yards leads the herd on the ground. Also, 6.8 yards per carry and a long of 22 yards for Cam. He had a great day despite the turnovers. Rasheen Ali had 28 carries for just 79 yards. They did an excellent job bottling Mm -hmm. him up. Just 2.8 yards per carry, but he did find the end zone two more times to keep the two touchdowns per game streak alive. Uh, Caleb Coombs had a breakout game, and I'm really glad because I've been pulling for him for well over a season now to kind of arrive on the scene and take that leap. Eight catches for 76 yards and a touchdown, a long of 22. Mason Pierce also had a great game. Five Mm -hmm. catches for 74 yards, a long of 23 yards. Russ, are you getting this downfield completions that I'm tossing out here? Yeah, And, and talk about McMillan's. I didn't even get to that yet. McMillan yeah. had one reception, of course, 40 yards, but it yeah. 40 yards, okay? Yeah. So the downfield passing does exist. All in all, the herd had five receivers with at least four receptions in this game, so Cam's spreading it around, and more guys are making more plays. Cam Fancher absolutely had a career day, period. Yeah. End of story. The three turnovers are killer, and they're ugly, and they got to go away, but you cannot deny his numbers and what he did to keep Marshall in this game and ultimately led them to a victory. Offensive initial thoughts, just in general, uh, generalities, real quick, one or two sentences before I go to the defense. We uh, always had wide receivers open, always. And for anyone that says we've got a vanilla offense, uh, we can't pass the ball, go back and re-watch this game and just look at people that are around with 15 yards and nobody around them. 
five yards of nobody around them. We had excellent routes. We had an excellent uh, passing game. The only thing bad you could say is Ali just didn't get enough of a hole a couple of times to have a couple of long breaks because he ro- throws off one that's 40. All of a sudden, those stats look amazing, right? right. Yeah. He just did not have the breakaway run that we've yep. seen all year long up to this point. Defensively, App State linebacker transfer Kashawn Brown leads the way for the herd. Seven total tackles leads the team. Three solo tackles leads the team. One tackle for loss is tied for the team lead, and he has one sack, which also leads the team in this game. Elijah Austin, though, best day all around without a doubt. Six total tackles, two solo, half a tackle for loss. Team leading three quarterback hurries and an interception that went for touchdown 85 yards the other way after I mentioned Cam Fancher tracks down the um, Old Dominion defender to stop and thwart a touchdown, which two plays later leads to six points the other way for the herd. Big-time hustle play by Cam Fancher. Owen Porter, Taquez Legs, and Brandon McElroy all tied five total tackles apiece, each also two solo. Owen Porter adds a half a tackle for loss and a half a sack to his resume. Impact plays, Russ, for this herd defense. Three interceptions by the aforementioned Elijah Austin, also Eli Neal and J.J. Roberts late in the game to basically seal it. Two sacks for this herd defense, well below their average, so a great effort by Old Dominion to thwart that part of Marshall's game. We saw that as a point of contention. They were able to successfully mitigate the herd's pass rush. Three total pass breakups for the herd, and of course, one defensive score. Here's where it gets ugly. This herd defense allowed 339 total rush yards, 356 gross rush yards gained, not counting the sack yardage, 11 rushes for 236 yards, and three touchdowns for Kadarius Callaway. Holy shit, that can't happen. Though, pass defense played really great, limited um, Old Dominion to just 95 yards of passing, One of those was a 42-yard reception and tallied three total interceptions. Up and down day, a little bit more down for the herd defense than up, but those big turnovers really uh, kept Marshall able to keep get this game closer and then eventually take the lead. What do you got to say just in generalities about this herd defense? Well, so I'm not saying that you can't count them, but if you take away the four rushing touchdowns, which, by the way, totaled 280 yards, we only gave up 59 rushing yards and 154 yards uh, total, not counting those four plays. And obviously they count, right? But I'm saying without those, if you happen to trip that guy up, happen to slow him up enough to where he doesn't get that one guy's not out of position, whatever happens and those don't happen. This defense would have dominated this game and they gave up five different touchdowns uh, that were under one minute. Yeah. You had uh, here's with plays, yards and seconds of possession, three plays, 70 yards, 49 seconds, one play, 19 yards, six seconds, one play, 70 yards, 11 seconds, Two plays, 73 yards, 23 seconds, and one play, 75 yards, and 12 seconds. Right. Four of their five touchdowns went for those 66, 70, 69, and 75. The other other one, the 19 yard uh, touchdown uh, immediately after the fumble. One play after the fumble. Yeah. Yep. So we, that was some gifted points, obviously. Yeah. But it looks, it just optically, it looked bad. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not giving them a pass either. No, 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 hell no. I'm saying without those, 
they yeah. did a great job. And if you don't give up, I mean, what do we talk about with Albany? If they, if they don't get that uh, two different uh, busted plays, you know, we hold them to a field goal and no one's bitching at all about barely beating Albany, you know, because the game drastically would have been changed. Game would have drastically been changed here too. If we didn't have these busted plays, we just gave up a lot of them this time. Yes. Too many, very way far, too many, far too many. Reese yeah. Verhoff uh, on the uh, place kicking duties this week, two of two on field goals. So we got that kind of fixed out. Looks a little bit better. Along of 42 went five of five on extra points. Conversely, kicked a kickoff out of bounds, which is always a bummer. Uh, McConnell, four punts, total of 165 yards for a 41.3-yard average, a long of 47. Solid day for John. Jaden Harrison, four kick returns for 121 total yards, a good average of 30.3 yards, including the one you said. That was the spark plug for the herd comeback, a 43-yarder to get the scoring drive going for the herd overall special teams was really solid i want to just move right into the grade when we talk about yep. special teams but let's revisit our keys real quick my number one play or my number one key to victory was they've got to play herd ball they have to run and play great defense i can give them a half a point for that because when i i meant i, I said run and i thought it was going to be rasheen ali so most of that was cam fancher they did play great defense, but they didn't play great defense. So all in all, the best I can give them is a half for that because that is not a solid yes on either side of those uh, that two-ended key for me. What was your number one? I don't have them all written down, so going by memory again, but number one for me was that we had to get to the quarterback with pressure and with sacks, and i got to say that we didn't do that. I feel like we did provide some QB hurries, but I was expecting a lot more sacks than what we got. Yeah, I would I would say you're right. Now look, only two, but a big two. One occurred Very on a good. third yeah. a third a third down play that we had to have. So it wasn't like oh just a first down sack for a yeah. three yard loss. No, they, yeah. they were impactful, though the they few were. they may have been. Number two for me was control the football. Yeah, that's a yes, even though it's not indicative of how the game played out. I mean, 41 minutes of time of possession, you controlled the football. The problem was <laughs> You kept giving up one and two play scoring drives, so it just nullified what you were able to do with time of possession, but still, it's a yes. They controlled the football. What was your number two? Also had uh, let Ali eat and establish the run, and I've got to give that a no on there uh, because even though Fancher did get us a lot of moving the chains with his legs, I was expecting Ali to have a much bigger game. Now, let me say that anybody in the country and you tell them my starting running back, my RB one had 79 yards and two touchdowns. Most people are going to be pretty daggone happy with that. Sure. We have come to expect so much excellence out of Ali. And I mean, you can still tell he had runs of 10 here, 12 here and this and that there were just some lanes that weren't open. He got hit at the line and gang tackled, ODU is probably one of the best gang tackling teams. If you look, they had 107 tackles in this game, which you're going to have when you have 41 minutes of possession. But 41 solo, the rest were all together. They were just somebody wrapped somebody up, and here comes three other guys to pile on to, to take them down. Yeah, we, um, we knew that was going to be tough yeah. with the uh, the uh, defense that they yeah. field. I mean, they had four guys with 10 or more touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, uh, tackles. So, Almost geez. had that many touchdowns. <laughs> uh, but, but no, like, 
any anyone that looks at Ali's performance there, I mean, he he even got his ankle rolled up one time, and he came out for a little while. And uh, but he had a bunch of different yards or carries that were designed for one yards. I mean, he was on the the two or something, and we're going for. You can't run for a forty yard touchdown when you're at the two. You know, yeah. you can't be going for a first down. You know, when it's like third and two. You know, yes, you can get a sixty yard run, but you're just trying to get those two yards. So. Uh, he had a lot of those and he had a lot of getting hit at the line of scrimmage and wrapped up, but he was running fierce on that rolled up ankle. He had an amazing uh, one handed catch on the sideline that went great. I think that was for 16 yards. Uh, he, uh, he had a good game. And like I said, one of those breaks for a 40 yarder, just that he gets past the line of scrimmage like their running back did. And all of a sudden he has 129 yards or I mean, 119 yards. Anybody going to be talking about that? They shut Rasheen Ali down when he scores twice or three times. If he takes one to the house right. and has 120 yards. No, he just didn't get into the second level. Like this guy did on a couple of occasions. And then we're talking about a totally different thing, Man, but for this grade, for this grade, I have to nitpick and say no because I was expecting different. We're just spoiled. We expect to we see the, that 50-yard touchdown every game yeah. because we've yeah. been seeing it every game. That's all it is. It's the selfishness of a fan. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. You know, that, whatever. I, I, we can be selfish at some points, but, you know, no. We, we we didn't match the energy of the long touchdown exciting runs, and that was just – that just was – made me mad <laughs> that's yeah. all it was just made me mad uh, my third key to victory was the herd had to play from ahead they absolutely didn't de- do that they were down seven like a minute into the game uh, but i will say once they took the lead they absolutely played what i was hoping to see in the first quarter once they took a lead they did not relinquish a lead and i will say also that marshall scored in all four quarters for the first time this season and they needed to do that to be able to win this game so though that's an x for me it's still a, yeah, well, they did it once they took the lead. So what was your three? Win the turnover battle, and even though we were tied, I think, three and three, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that we won it because uh, ours, uh, we got an 85-yard uh, touchdown uh, pick six on one of them, and that drastically energized that crowd. Uh, I know that they came right back and ended up scoring and stuff like that, but we really needed that at that time. And I'm going to say, I'm going to give that a check because we won it based on that play. I think it's fair because if you'll remember, it was three consecutive drives that were a turnover. It was an Eli yeah. Neal interception, then the backwards pass to Rasheen that yeah. Cam chased down, then the 85-yard yeah. pick six. Yeah. So we had two right in a row, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter. Ours led to points. The only th- Theirs led to points, but it was because they were basically gifted the ball inside the red zone. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I think ours were more impactful to the overall play of the game. The late interception by J.J. Roberts to thwart what they had going on to try to go down and take the lead was just massive, you know, because after that they just didn't have the uh, time to do anything else. So, you know, 3-3, three to three, yes, but when they occurred and how they occurred, Marshall, quote-unquote, won the turnover battle. My last key to victory was Marshall has to avoid the Bowling Green yips. I'm not sure I can say they did because even though they won the game – there wasn't a fan in the stands who wasn't puckered up for a good bit of that game thinking like, here we go again, you know? So you win the game, which is a positive. So you avoid the yips in that way, 
But all this does is for a lot of those fans like you talk about, ball game fans, they're mm. saying, well, Huff didn't have them ready. Well, these guys overlooked Old Dominion. Well, this that's not ever what it is. Yeah. You just these they're division one athletes too. Mm-hmm. These are FBS coaches too. You know, they have players, they have people that are paid to game plan for what you do to try to beat you. And they did that. They just were not able to beat the herd. So while it wasn't pretty, I will say they did not avoid those yips. They didn't come out and dominate this Old Dominion team to the fashion I thought they could. I didn't think this was going to be a four-touchdown victory, but I did think it was going to be a 10- to 14-point victory, you know, based on how things were going, but it just didn't play out that way. So Callaway, that scored the three long touchdowns, by the way, went to Alabama, for those of you at home that are saying, well, it was only ODU. Other teams are going to have great athletes as well, like you mentioned. And there were way too many fans when we were down saying Bowling Green after Notre Dame, Troy after, uh, you know, K-State, all the different things that they were saying. And, yeah, that's great that you have those committed to memory. But do, do you really think that Coach Huff and the players went, guys, it's only Old Dominion. Guys, we Never. just beat Virginia Tech and we're, you know, we, we're going to win this. That's not what happened. No. And, and – yeah, we got down, but you know what we did? Fourth largest ever deficit that we came back and won the game. So shut up. Shut up. <laughs> My it's it's uh it's at Russ Living Good. That's R U S L I V I N G O O D. Come at me, bro. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh let's let's move into some grades. I mean, this this recap has taken quite a long time, but all right. Still, let's do grades. What do you got for for Cam in his career day and a 18-point comeback victory for homecoming? So this is the hardest grade that I've ever had to give on this short-lived show here, (laughs) and I'm going with a B. And I went back and forth, I can't tell you how many times, fretting about what I was going to grade him. And here's what I got. Career day, amazing day, absolutely killed it. But if I'm being fair, that interception was a guaranteed touchdown. McMillan was wide open. Mm-hmm. He underthrew it. He threw it just a little bit too late, and it was a bad interception. Otherwise, we're scoring early. Game may have drastically changed. The fumble, I, I feel like those aren't really 100% on him because there's two people involved there yeah. you know, with this handoff. And it's, uh, but it's happened too much this year. Um, on the miscommunication or the the indecisiveness, whatever it is, it's happened too much. So I got to ding him for that, and I'm giving him a B. Yeah, that's fair. You have to be fair. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have a career day that pushes but, you into that A echelon, but every turnover takes it right back down. But, dude, I'm talking I went from back and forth between an A- minus to a C plus, you know, and I, yeah. I, I ended up landing on a B and everything because – he did a lot of amazing things in this yeah. game. And then he did a couple of bad things. So yeah. I, I went with a B. Sometimes you just got to fling it. You know, that's it, two games in a row. We've seen him be late and underthrow a receiver. Just fling it, man. Let him go get the ball for you. Yeah, and if you don't, if, if they can't, then you overthrow everyone. Yeah. And, it's, and it's potentially not an interception. Trust your guys, man. They got speed. Talik Keaton's got speed to burn. Caleb McMillan had had a release and he was gone. Like, let him go get it. Let him let yeah. him play for you. The exchanges is 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 that's more concerning to me because we do that far more often. 
right. you know, that's a bread and butter of our of our uh, offense. And really, I think the ugliest thing is the behind the the uh, line pass to Ali. Like you're like three feet away, man, and you threw it a billion miles an hour and at his yeah, feet. Yeah, it was it was low. Yeah, it was it was it was at his knees, but still low. You know, yeah. way too low. That's got to be that's got to be uh, between the belt and the the uh, chest. You know, yeah. it's got to be right there in the midsection. And I don't know why it was a throw instead of a pitch. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not a football player. I'm not a coach. I don't know what the play was. I don't know why it was done that way. I'm just saying, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I mean, of course it has to do with the design of the play, obviously, Absolutely. which is why you Absolutely. do that. But I'm not just going to sit here and dog him, but the three turnovers were horrible. If even one of those goes away, especially the fumble that led immediately to a touchdown, the, the trajectory and, and the complexion of this game looks differently, but you just simply cannot deny 278 yards passing, two touchdowns, mm-hmm. and 100 yards on the ground. You can't deny it. The kid made up for all of his mistakes. He made up for all of them with his offensive play and putting the herd in position to win this game. So you've got to, you can't just dwell on the turnovers because he mitigated all those and, and made up for all of them. What more can he do? He one said, of them, I screwed up, I'll take care of it, and he fixed it. One of them he made up for on the same exact play that we were just talking play. about. He went down and made a game-saving tackle. By the way, Jason Henderson, uh, All-American linebacker, was who he got around to get that tackle. Henderson mm-hmm. was trying his best not to get a block in the back or a hold or anything like that, and he was blocking him, but he had his hands here, and Cam still got around him and took the guy out on around the 10-yard line to save what could have been the game at that point. Sure Because you don't, you don't know how the momentum goes. We definitely don't get a pick six right there. Uh, so that was a potential 14-point swing, all because he ran like hell to chase down that uh, uh, linebacker, I think it was. I can't remember if it's defensive end or linebacker. Yeah. But chased him down, saved the game. Solid B grade. I cannot argue with that. Offensively, what do you got for the herd? I got an A minus, and uh, like I said, Rasheen didn't bust a long run and everything, but we threw the ball all over the place. We we had a great mix of runs and uh, uh, guys wide open and Cam running for it and everything. I thought we did great, A minus. We put up forty one points. Forty one points because you had de- to. Right? Defense defense also got seven of those, but still, yeah. you know how many times we talked about hope they can get in the thirties, you right. know. And, and again, you meant 30 and 30 wins the day again. You know, yep. we might not have been the first at 30. We probably were. Well, we had to have been because once we were up 24, 21, we didn't relinquish the lead. So yep. well over 30 minutes of time of possession. But we the, the downfield passing game showed up. All the folks that say we can't do it, we did it. We did it. Yep. Just acknowledge that we did it. You don't have to be wrong. Just acknowledge that you did it. You know, it, it was decent. I'm not sure I can go quite A minus. I'm kind of right there in that B realm again. It was nice, but the turnovers just keep killing me for things. I, I, it's just not an A day if you have three turnovers. I don't care. It just isn't. Defensively, what about this herd defense? Another tough grade for me, but I'm going C-. minus. And um, I went back and forth. I had him at a D at one point. I mean, that was a lot of yards, a lot of plays to give up. When you look at it, they were – short field on one of the touchdowns and then the other four were just busted plays busted coverage too many uh, too many it, it was too many of them uh they dominated the pass 
and they dominated the rest of the game except for giving up those four long runs where the guys were seemingly untouched. Yeah. Three of them, I think, were untouched. Yeah, it's not something that can continue. We know right. this. We know this, and it's happened in every single game. Some of them have resulted in touchdowns. Some have not. Some have put them in position for scoring points. East Carolina had the long quarterback run. They got a field goal out of it. Mm-hmm. But all of those busted coverage plays have resulted in points yeah. to some degree. And it's, it just can't continue to happen. Now, here's what I here's what I know. That's film room correctable, right? Because mm-hmm. you think Shannon Morrison isn't off of his freaking rocker this week going, what the hell are my linebackers doing out there, right? So if anybody is going to get uh, get that fixed quick and in a hurry, it's going to be a guy with the type of intensity as Shannon Morrison. You know well, that that is sticking in his crawl big time this week. Well, let, let me tell you what else might fix it. Gibson Gibby was in street clothes for this game. Where does he play? Right up the middle. What has he done with his big body in the two years that he's been here, year and a half that he's been here? He's helped stop the run and anchored that line there. And, you know, we had him out. Uh, I didn't see Jacoby Henderson that I can remember playing in the defensive secondary. Uh, and that plays, you know, they're not just in pass coverage. You know, that's right. that's somebody else. And we've seen him be able to track somebody down uh, and uh, with his athleticism and speed. Uh, Eli Neal was out for large portions of the game. And I don't know if that was, you know, strategy or if there was a little nursing of an injury or or something like that. He did play the entire game, just not nearly as many snaps again that I'm thinking that I see him out Mm -hmm. there. So we had some guys that we were down. I know. And I get that. And we had an opportunity to go in at halftime and correct some of these things. And I said, you know, I tweeted like halftime adjustments are, reinforce running responsibilities who's got who right and reinforce um sure tackling pre you got to preach it at halftime and we came out and saw a little bit more of the same in the second half so that was a little concerning but it's all film correctable stuff you know and i like our coaching staff to be able to look at that and our players to analyze that and to go okay guys this is what we did wrong and we ain't doing that anymore right so uh, solid C plus or C minus grade. I'm kind of with you. It's just those the optics of the busted plays just yeah. look bad. They, they just look bad, and that's what sticks with you. Nobody's going to remember the tackles that you did make and stuff a third down, and you know all of that. They're going to remember the ugly big runs, and then they're going to remember the last pass that sails, you know, to win the game for the herd and the interceptions. That's what they're going to remember. Uh, what do you got for special teams? I've got an A, and it would have been an A-plus because we had a great return game. We limited their guy, uh, their big threat, uh, with our game plan to uh, pooch kick. Uh, we we kept him off the uh, yardage. Uh, we went five for five on extra points, two for two on field goals, and KD, that was my fourth. I didn't get to give you that, but oh, my I'm kicker. Sorry, yeah. That's all right. That's all right. I knew I could talk about it at special teams. My fourth key to victory was the kicker. And what did we win by? Six points. What was that? Two field goals. How many field goals did we attempt? Two. We kicked and got both field goals that we uh, tried. And that was the game winner. You know, uh, that that was the points that we needed. Yeah. So Reese Verhoff accounted for 11 points on the day. And you win by six. 
I'm giving us uh, not an A plus, but because of the two penalties, one was a holding call. Uh, it was only a five yard penalty, half the distance. We started on the five to start the second half and promptly went down and did a 95 yard touchdown drive. Uh, and then the other was the pooch punt that was too close to the sideline. They let it bounce out and they started on the 35. But yeah. those were minor compared yeah. to the amazing day that they had. Good, all, good job by McConnell all, as well. All of the positives outweigh the negatives. A penalty yeah. here, a penalty there, a kickoff out of bounds, inconsequential in the grand scheme. What do you got yeah. for this herd coaching staff? A minus. I felt like, again, great game plan uh, on the offense. Uh, I don't think anybody out there saying, yeah, the coaches said that we're going to let them score on these long runs. You know, it's just execution is not there on some of the things. But the game plan was solid. Being down 21 to 3 and keeping your team motivated and coming back to win, solid, above solid. Um, coming out in the second half, you can tell there were adjustments. And we came out and we made them immediately. And it was a totally different ball game to start that second half. That's coaching there. Uh, the routes we were running, the offense that we were running. I heard people bitch that we were too conservative at the end of the game. But one thing that you want to do is run that clock down, force them to use their three timeouts so they don't have them to go down and score. We did that. And if we're cheering that Fancher did a quarterback keeper and he went for 14 yards and, or 12 and got us a first down to extend that and make them have to burn another timeout, but then he tries another one in the in the next series and he gets stopped at the line of scrimmage, you know, and just gets tripped up. It's not the play calling, it's the execution. You can't cheer and say, hey, run it like this. Oh, not like that. He got stopped. Same damn play, man. Yeah. So uh, you can't say conservative game calling. Go back and rewatch. Uh, we were running the clock because you need to, but we were we were moving the ball doing that. And then it just stopped working. Yeah. I don't I don't think I can get all the way up to an A because we were never able to stop the long touchdown chunk play. You know, at any point in the game, you know, if they get one, two, or even three, but to get a fourth one, like that fourth one to me was like, dang, I can't believe that happened again. And I get it. It's one play. But it's one play that stacks on top of all the other ones that happened and it led to more points and made this game closer than it should have been right seven points less for old dominion and you're like this is a lot better i'm with you but for me that falls on execution and not coaching i don't think that they said you know let's let's have you be out of place let's have you you know what i'm saying let's have you miss an arm tackle I, I think that it was more on execution than coaching is all I'm saying. Definitely no, not giving a pass on the play. No, you're right. It is execution, but to a degree it falls upon coaching to say, hey, let's not let's not get in this look again because they're exploiting the crap out of it. Let's try something a little different. And we heard Huff in the postgame talk about that. You know, they, they were they, – that ODU was changing things in real time that they were having to try to account for. And – Sometimes they weren't able to account for it, you know, and it would turn into a positive play for the Monarchs. Uh, what about the fans this week? B minus. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little more fans. They they reported 22, and I would have guessed 25. Yeah. But uh, uh, we were loud several times on the We Are Marshall, but I just cannot get around all the people that were saying ball game. One guy, when we had the backwards pass that we've talked about seven times on this show already, so I won't repeat what happened afterwards, 
after the play is dead, he says, zero chance that we have any success. Zero chance after that. Zero chance. And then we promptly went for an 85-yard uh, <laughs> interception return. He was cheering like mad. And as I said on the post game, I wanted to turn around and say, you don't get to do that. You yeah. don't get to cheer after sitting here and proudly saying zero chance that that yeah. happens. So I just way too many people. And the last thing I'll say about the fans is with that fumble, I heard several people and with other fumbles and with other stuff that we're talking about players with execution. I heard several people yell out, take him off of our hands, Michigan state. So for the rumor that coach is on the short list up there at Michigan state, which again, that that's good for us, right? That we've got a coach that's wanted by such a, an institution and everything. That means he's doing a good job and it means our team is doing great. Uh, so great. I hope that he stays here forever, by the way, mm -hmm. but good for us that we're in a position where somebody wants our coach. Right. Yeah. Um, but what in the hell do you think as a fan that coach Huff is doing that we say, Hey, our, our, our guy fumbled. I didn't see the coach out there getting that fumble. You know, nobody's saying take all lead to Michigan state, you know, I, if they are, they're idiots. So ease up. I don't care what it is that, that people are doing. And yeah, we say all the time, everybody has the right as a fan to express their own opinion. We're not the fan police. But if you have a bad take, I've never had a problem telling you, hey, that's a bad take. Mm -hmm. And I am hearing a lot of bad takes. And again, most of it centers around an, a seemingly inherent desire to want to say, see, I told you so. It's that Eeyore effect, man. Everybody's wanting to want to get on it. I ain't on it. <laughs> no, it was it was a it was a pretty decent grade, a, a slightly above average grade for the fans. They showed out. They were loud. They were impactful. Student section again caused penalties. Again. A plus to the students. Yeah, they're showing out week in and week out, and that's what you have to do. We've mm -hmm. talked about this before. Engaging the students as students and turning them into rabid fans is how you build a fan base later in life when they turn into be our age and they're professionals with that want to buy season tickets they're willing to travel back to games four five six hours every weekend that's what you have to have so yeah. marshall's doing a really good job the stampede's yeah. doing a really good job of engaging yeah. our students our students are just showing out and they're loud they're getting into it yeah winning helps man winning helps Three games, three A plus grades for the student section. No doubt. So it was a good it was it was great. But online and and in person, you can't live and die on every play. You yeah. know, you, you can't. You can't pull a guy for every turnover and then celebrate him for every touchdown. It, yep. That's just not how it works. You know, if you can't do that, you're just living in perpetual misery. You know, as have you a, as ever a followed have you ever followed sports, sir? I mean, you know, there's gonna be Peaks and valleys all the time, you know, yeah. but don't jump off every time there's a valley, you know, yeah. you got to be here for the long haul. Yeah. Just, just let things play their course. And sometimes yeah. you'll come out on top and sometimes you'll lose. But, you know, I, I learned a long time ago to not let those games, those losses ruin my week. They used to, man, they used to. And, it, and I just, you know, it's, it's just not worth it. Like all the added stress and all the added like drama that it brings in your, just, let things play out. Sometimes you win, sometimes you'll lose. Some people might not like hearing that, but I'm as passionate as they come. And I'll say things in, in the heat of the moment that 
ultimately turn out to be a bad take. But I own it. <laughs> you know, that I own it. Overall, what do you got for this herd victory on on uh, homecoming week? It's a victory, so A+. Plus. <laughs> it, was a, it was a game that I didn't want to see how it was, but I always enjoy a herd victory, man. So yeah. uh, what, what's Coach been saying here this year? We're 1-0 this week. That's so right. We were 1-0. Looking to go one and zero again next week, real fast. Who's your offensive MVP this week? As if I can Fancher. guess, Fancher, <laughs> Cam Fancher, agreed. Defensive MVP for you, Austin. Elijah Austin had the best all around day without a doubt. Spar- a special teams MVP or MVPs, kicker. Uh, I I got to give a shout out though to uh, Harrison for uh, for helping turn the field and everything. But real clutch by Reese Verhoff compared to what we had seen so far and the questions around his kicking. Yep. Special teams for me, it's a split co-MVP. It is uh, Reese Verhoff and Jaden Harrison, both equally provided massive plays to get the mm-hmm. herd going or keep the herd scoring. So you, you can't deny one just to accentuate the other. They were both instrumental in this herd victory next week. The herd's going to Well, this week is going to Raleigh, North Carolina to take on NC state. We'll have a preview for that game in a couple of days. The only note that I want to make about that is I got a call from my son, the one who's stationed at Fort Campbell in, in Tennessee slash Kentucky, and he's actually at Fort Bragg this uh, week, and he called me last night and said, hey, I'm going to the game. Uh, I'm My girlfriend and I are going to go to the game, so is there anybody that you know that's going to the game? And I asked Russ, and Russ was like, yeah, I'm going. But if there are any Herd fans that are also going to the game, um, he'd like to you know, come and hang out with some herd fans, right? And he doesn't get to go to herd games very often at all. Um, but I told him I would put feelers out there and see who's going to the game. So if you're listening to this, uh, you know, get at get at us on social media, DM me on Twitter, email us, do whatever you do. Facebook, if that's your thing, you know, Russell reply. But uh, my son would like to be able to tailgate with some herd fans. So if you're going to the game, if you're going to be tailgating, and if you wouldn't mind... Uh, having a couple of extra guests at your tailgate, I certainly would appreciate some of that infamous herd hospitality being displayed mm-hmm. to my son and his girlfriend as they go to Raleigh to cheer on the herd. So just food for thought. Let me know um, because I sure would like to send him by way of some friendly herd fans. Let's burn through this around the herd in under 10 minutes. I hate, I, I hate to hate to be uh, quick, but we've gone long on our uh, rundown. So uh, Hoops in Huntington was a great event. Both basketball squads also had swim and dive over there. They had a dunk tank uh, for swim and dive. That was great. They had face painting. The kids loved it. My kids loved it so much that uh, all three of them uh, about got me in a fight uh, because some older lady was accusing them of jumping line when all they were doing was being kids. Kids. So, yeah. Yeah. but great event, the aesthetics of that off the charts. I know you saw all the photos and stuff like that and the, the video snippets that they put out, but just being there is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, softball home run derby. Allie Harrell just went into beast mode and hit seven straight swings <laughs> for crushing home runs. There were no fence scrapers with her. They were long gone, but great event. Coach Bills was there. I got a short little video of some of his swings and everything. And uh, uh, it, it was just a really good event that I think they will be able to grow into an annual thing and make it so much better. And that's not, that's not beating up on what they did because it was good. I just think that the crowds will be bigger and it will be celebrated a lot more. 
Yeah, we can't breeze past that, right? Because this was a really cool event, and I watched it on the Facebook live stream. You were there yep. in person. So you know how we roll with herd softball. We're going to throw our support behind them. We ended mm -hmm. up sponsoring two players, actually one player and one coach. Coach Morgan Zirkle won our Twitter fan poll for who we should support. You ran a similar poll on Facebook. Riley Lucas absolutely ran away with that one. So we sponsored both of them in mm -hmm. the Home Run Derby. Together they hit a combined 11 home runs. So we are absolutely happy to throw some support and uh, a, a monetary donation to Herd Softball because we absolutely love what they do. They are such a great program. They're easy to love and support because they're just fun. And they're good. So this is your, you're right, this is a great event. It lasted like 45, 50 minutes or something like that. And this is a short, quick, exciting event that they will generate probably, hopefully generated several thousand dollars, if not a little bit more, hopefully. But it was awesome. I did not expect to see Coach Beals there. It was great to yeah. see him slide in there and and uh, have, have some cuts. And, you know, I think he may have taken a couple out, but you're right. Uh, let me tell you who else I saw had a great showing. Bub had a great showing. Mm -hmm. And and Riley had a great showing. Of course, you expect Allie and Morgan to have great showings. But there were some of our younger players that were making some making some play. I told you that the herd. This is a home run derby, so you're swinging for yeah. the fences. But the herd long balls making a return. It seems like a little bit. Some of the players you don't expect to hit like they hit are now hitting home runs again. Cam Hollis had a pretty good day. Even Sid Bickle had a pretty good day. Hey, get ready. Brooklyn Ulrich launched uh, a couple of no doubters and the ball seemed to be just jumping off of several people's bats that uh, uh, drastically different than what you would think from last year uh, about nothing. I'm talking about, about batting average, nothing I'm talking about homers. I'm just talking about seeing the speed that the ball comes off the bat. It just looked like night and day on a couple of different ones. So mm -hmm. um, I also want to say to close this out, you can still donate even though the uh, event is over. Simply pick a person and a dollar amount to do either by the foot or by the home run, and you can still make a donation. So if you're listening to this and you say, hey, man, yeah, I'll throw a little money towards softball. Just make a donation towards this event. Contact Tyler Ferris or uh, get with the Big Green and see how you can do so. Yeah, I mean, it's if you want to help, but you ain't got a lot rolling around, find a player that hit one and donate five yeah. bucks. That's it. Yeah. It's that simple. Nobody's asking for a million bucks. Just get in where you fit in. Every five bucks is five more bucks than they had. Swim and Dive had the annual green and white meet on Saturday, and the white team beat the green team 161 to 128. There were no individual record scores, anything like that, that was mentioned, uh, but just wanted to pass that along. Uh, also, West Virginia games is Friday and Saturday up in Morgantown. So looking forward to beating WVU as always. Hell yes. Volleyball, they beat Georgia State 3-1 to one on Thursday and lost 3-2 to two on Friday. I did not write down who they have this week coming up on Thursday and Friday. I was just looking at that, too. So all I'm going to tell you is it's on Herd Zone. It's on the Herd Zone app. It's Thursday and Friday. If it's here in, in Huntington, make sure you come out. KD can be looking at that while I tell you the other people. Troy. We have Troy. Troy. And, of course, we have free tickets to every match at the CAM. And as somebody that has gone this season, I implore you to take our free tickets and go to the games or the matches. They are super fun. And they're super quick. 
I don't want to blow past tennis, but there were no results given uh, on herd zone for the uh, two different uh, events that they were doing for the uh, IFTA and the other one. Um, but uh, that plus they have one going on this week and next week. Uh, so hopefully there will be some kind of updates. I just did not go to those individual tournaments and look up the results to see how our players did. Don't want to gloss over them. I just I usually get all my results from herd zone. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have them up yet. Cross country, the women finished 16th out of 75 in the Louisville Classic. 75 different teams. We finished 16th. Men finished 33 of 75. Both of them, of course, above average on there. The women were the top SBC team, and the men were second amongst all Sunbelt teams. Abby Herring finished sixth in the 5K. So, um, Evan White was the leader in, uh, for the men, but he finished 91st. So I just want to mention Abby with another top 10 finish. And you can imagine 75 teams. I don't know how many average runners there were per team, but finishing in the top 10 is probably pretty daggone good. Hmm. All right. Uh, men's golf. They got the Tom Tontamonia Invitational. That's uh, Monday and Tuesday in Westlake, Ohio. Women's Golf Butler Invitational Monday and Tuesday in Indianapolis. And then uh, the UNCG, UNC uh, Greensboro Fall Invitational will be next Monday and Tuesday in Greensboro for the women. Women's Soccer beat Troy 2-1. to one. They got goals by Cassidy Bell at the end of the first half and Bailey Fisher at the start of the second half. Uh, to get that victory and come behind, come from behind and get that monkey off their back for that little slide they had been on. Mm-hmm. We uh, host Old Dominion on Thursday at 6 p.m. Remember, we're trying to pack the vet. 2,000 fans will have uh, tickets to give away, but please get there early, like we mentioned, buy tickets early, go to that game. And then we'll be traveling to Boone to play App State on Sunday. Men's soccer, they uh, remain number one in the nation in all different polls and metrics. They beat Georgia Southern 3-1. to one. They, Adam Elmash had a goal and an assist. Pablo Simone scored a goal, and Morris Dugan scored a goal on a penalty kick late in that game. Uh, they are hosting Georgia State on Saturday at 7-15. So if you're not going to Raleigh to watch NC State, Watch that game at a watch party or at your house, and then get your butt over to the vet, and we'll have tickets for that as well. Yeah, I would like to say that the herd was actually down one to nothing, and then yep. stormed back with three goals. Yep. To I mean, they equalized it fairly quickly after they went down, but still down one to nothing, and you know anything can happen when that happens. And well, what That's did right. happen is the herd machine cranked it up a notch and just obliterated, you know, Georgia Southern. So you love to see it. I think that was also Max Dugan's first career goal for the herd. So great to see him get on the on the uh, score. Yeah, that, it was just I, the first. I, it was either I, first one of the season or first career goal, one of the two. I said Morris Dugan. I'm sorry. I don't I don't know who the hell that is, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, excellent <laughs> around the herd segment. We're gonna have lots of free tickets to give away this week, always. Um it's gonna be a big week. Bring your get your herd on early and often this week and throughout the remainder of our seasons because herd athletics is kind of kicking some ass across a lot of uh programs and in the fan experience department. Love to see it. I just wish I was closer so that I could see more of it. Don't forget, we're, you know, if you got something going on in the in the Louisville metro area, you think uh, you could use my assistance, please 
holler at me because I'd love to talk to you about it. Russ, you got anything else? Take us out of here. No, whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us down at NC State coming away with an ACC victory on the road, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercast. You can catch us on Locked on Sunbelt. Uh, we'll be recording tomorrow. That should be out this week. And then we'll have a preview for you for the NC State game in a couple of days later this week with a very special guest that Sunbelt fans are going to love. We'll see you next week. We'll see you in a couple of days. Later. Later.